welcome back to the Book and Light podcast today and uh, you're with Crystal Fleming who is having a great time doing this. We are in a brand new 2023 and I'm hoping that this year is going to prove an exciting and successful year for everybody including uh, all of you wonderful listeners out there. But before we get into one of the best writers um, I have to say in the business and get talking about her and her amazing journey and somebody that I've grown to respect a lot and I can't wait to, uh, to talk to her and hopefully maybe I even convince her to to check out Crystal a little bit closer and see if I'm somebody that uh, can work and create some magic with her. But before we go into any of that, let's jump into the advert called The Shadow by the Time Guardian series, book four. The battle is over, the war is won, the prophecy complete. But life can't just pick up where it left off for Ethan, struggling to cope with tragic loss. At odds with friends of the guard, he finds himself adrift, jumping in shadows and sensing someone who can't possibly be there, blaming herself for the goddess Athena's death. Giselle swears revenge and qualify the immortal's plan for world domination. But Giselle hadn't planned on love, and that leaves her with an unbearable choice. Should she follow her heart, or the strings of her goddess short on praise, but high on expectation, who continues to pull her from the grave. As the guard in the order battles through the past and into an impossible future, darkness lurks around every corner. The fight for the world's survival rests with just one. Is it friend or foe who stands in the shadows? Just a reminder that the freedom, um, the price of freedom by Rosemary Rowan, which is one of her Roman British crime series, um, is having its royalties donated to the Ukraine crisis. At least I got it right this week. Also, her agent is donating part of her commission to the Ukraine crisis, so make sure you go and you check that out. If you've got a spare pound or two, make sure you pick up a coffee. Before I get into anything else, I have to say a big, delighted, oh, starstruck entrance to the most amazing woman. Please welcome... Now, guys, that we've gotten that amazing little tidbit out the way, I have to introduce you to a woman who has by far exceeded any expectations that I can give you in this industry. A woman after my own heart, a woman I adore, and I can safely say would make punk look stupid. <coughs> so let's welcome on Brandy Stillwell. Yay! Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I know it's a bit of a bizarre intro, but I give everybody bizarre intros. I love it. <laughs> That's the fun of this show. We don't do things normal. Normal is boring. Exactly. Of course. So I have to ask, what is your current project that you're like the most excited about? Because I have looked you up, and I loved everything I saw. Absolutely everything. Um, so I have to ask, what is your current thing that you want to share with all of us that you're excited about? Well, uh, I have a book that's out now called None of This is Going According to Plan. And uh, it's a book about true short stories of just random bizarre shit that has just happened to me. Uh, my whole life and uh, then once it got published um, I have been greenlit to do a sequel um, so that's kind of what I'm working on 
right now. And the joke of that has always been, um, I can't think of what year this film came out, but it was, um, I know what you did last summer. <laughs> Just oh a, yeah, I know that film. The, the bad uh, teen horror film. And then the sequel was, I still know what you did last summer. Uh, and so yeah. the joke is, uh, the sequel to my book is still none of this is going according to plan because unfortunately I have so many stories of just random things like I can walk to the bathroom I could be having dinner with friends and go to the bathroom and have the most bizarre shit happen in like three minutes and then I have to walk back and act like everything's normal when something just went totally completely awry in three minutes. And they're like, my friends are always like, how is this possible? I'm like, uh, and they're like, no, wait, it's you. It's okay. Uh, we understand. Um, so, and then right before the book got published, originally was 70 stories and then we had gotten it cut down to 68. And then right before it went to the publisher, I was like, there's just two, like, let's, can we cut? Like we ended up cutting like eight stories the morning that it went to the publisher and wow. uh, or to the printer. Uh, and, you know, so it's like I already have eight here. And then, you know, I, I hate Facebook. But one of the reasons why I have kept it is because, you know, every day you get a reminder of what you have written or posted, you know, three years ago on this day or eight years ago on this day. And exactly, yeah. I, I'm like, my mind is weird. Like I remember things so exactly that I'm haunted by them. And then at other times the other day, I was looking at a memory and I'm like, wait, I saw Devo. When the hell did I see Devo? <laughs> like, like, thank you memories. Yeah. And so it's like, I would always write like story time with Aunt Brandy of just random bizarre shit that would happen. And some of it I would remember and some I would, and I'm like, oh my God, yes, I totally forgot about this. And so I have like a, I have notebooks on my desk. And as things, you know, if I'm out and about, I write it down on my phone. If I'm home, I throw it in a journal and it's usually like a one-liner, two-liner, and then I know exactly what that story is. And now it's like, okay, I need to sit down and write this uh, for the sequel. Um, and then in the end of August, I'll be recording the Audible for none of this is oh, going according to yeah. plan, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I admire anyone that can do that because my dyslexia means that reading aloud for me is like, physical torture it, I never get it right and then I have to like start it over because I'm a perfectionist and I don't like it getting it wrong and so yeah I admire you for trying that. you know and the thing is I've never been able to read out loud in front of people it was always yeah. you know kryptonite and uh, there was actually a story in the book of me taking a speech class uh, in college and now I think because of the whole Me Too movement, you can't, you can't do this shit anymore. You couldn't do it. But back then, yeah. if you, like when I would be trying to give a speech and just so uncomfortable in front of people, I would always say, um, I, um, uh, and there was like that weird hesitation yeah. and the professor would take erasers and he would just chalk them up. And if you, it, if you hesitated at all, you 
would get them chucked at you. And so I always left the class covered in chalk. And you know what? It yeah. didn't help you. Like, I don't, I don't know who, like, in what this person's mind was like, oh, if I humiliate these, these college kids, that I'll, I'll beat the hesitation out of them. No, it doesn't work that way. Uh, I will say practice makes, makes things not perfect. It makes things a lot better. But, uh, you know, um, I did a book reading a couple months ago and I had never, I, you know, that was scary because I have done storytelling forever. I've done improv forever, but to have to, uh, and I've done sketch comedy, and so, you know, you're relying on your memory. But to sit and actually in front of people read words that you've actually written was just, it was terrifying. And, you know, I just did that for the first time a couple of months ago, and it went so much better. And then it went so much better than I thought it would. And, you know, I'm no spring chicken, so I would have to wear reading glasses. And I'm like... <laughs> For the first time ever, people were going to see me with having to put, like, excuse me, let me put my reading glasses on so I can read this thing in front of me. But yet, I can see a street sign, you know, a half a mile away. I can spot a cat in a window a mile away. Uh, but I couldn't read the words in front of me. And so there was that weird embarrassment. But then I did it. And then I, it, you know, we, I think I did five stories from the book. And then that's when we announced that there, it, I had been greenlit for a sequel. And then I read the most <laughs> bizarre, random, weird story that I had already written that would go into the sequel, so kind of like as a bonus. And then afterwards, people were like, what the fuck was that? And you're like, I know, right? Um, and then everyone just loved it, and it was great. So sometimes you just got to jump in the pool and do it. and. You know, that was the first time I'd ever read, read in front of people, and it was terrifying. But then you get into the groove and you just do it, and it was fine. Yeah, it was fine. And I, I love your title, and I love the fact that it is like crazy shit that happens. Like, because what people don't know is a lot of my crazy ass stories happen the same way as you. I'll be headed to a bathroom. This is why all my girlfriends go with me now to the bathroom because they want to see the crazy shit. Yeah. But I have had girls feel me up. I've had girls throw themselves at me. I've had three marriage proposals going to the bathroom. I have had wrestlers propose to me on my way to the bathroom. <laughs> but I've also had, like, I had just come back from the bathroom and I was sitting with a bunch of friends and I had a black dildo thrown at me oh. to sign by a reader who was a big fan of my work. Unfortunately, all the boys around me were very uncomfortable and I made them sign it too because I'm like, well, what the fuck? I'm not just signing this shit on my own. You guys are, you guys are having to do it too. Um, so yeah, like that's why my girlfriends all love to come to the, to, the, uh, to the bathroom with me. Even on my wedding day, like my wedding day was this big grand day, elegant, nothing like Crystal actually is because I'm like this. Uh, very emo, cowgirl, shotgun-wielding, pickup-truck-loving, cowboot-wearing girl. And I was in, like, this princess elegant dress in a manor house in the middle of nowhere, unexpected to act like a lady. Mm -hmm. Nothing like me at all. And, of course, everyone was worrying about me falling over or me doing something stupid. They forgot to keep an eye on my husband-to-be who actually physically fell over at my feet 
at the aisle. Yeah. Like, total head done. Yeah. See, like me... And I was like, and you worry about me. Like, yeah. See, like me going to the bathroom, my, my stories are not, like, that glamorous. Mine are, like, you know, someone had just mopped the floor, and there's standing water, and I fall on my ass and slide under a stall where a woman's just sitting on the toilet and I'm like making eye contact with her in sewage water. Um, and then I have to like, yeah, that awkward, uh, excuse me. And then I have to like slide yeah. myself back out underneath the stall, get up, go to another stall, use it, wash my hands. But the back of my hair is soaking wet. My, my shirt, my pants, everything. I'm just, yeah. And then who knows what yeah. kind of, you know, DNA that's on yeah. it and you know I'm like am I gonna grow a tail uh uh and like <laughs> or superpower superpower no, I'm either gonna be able to fly next week or I'm gonna grow a tail who knows something something's gonna come about this so yeah um yeah don't ever watch the show house because you will never sleep again <laughs> trust me just trust me on that uh me being somebody that has a serious condition and, you know, like, there's an episode on House with arthritis, right? And it's like, this person has never gotten it treated, has always ignored it, who didn't believe she had it, and it nearly kills her, right? Mm -hmm. But it, nobody can diagnose what she's got because it's such a rare form that she had. And at the end, did they not just, like, fucking name my condition? Oh, wow. So I was like, God damn it, I'm not sleeping for, like, a week and I didn't I didn't sleep for like a week I was so freaked out um and of course I wasn't with my partner at the time I was like total single person staying at my I was staying in my own and I yeah I totally totally freaked myself out with that so I haven't I've never I did watch the end of house but I I don't recommend it is that a Scottish show because I'm not familiar with it no, funnily enough it's an American show well there's there was this show called house with is it Peter Laurie or where he's like a yeah with the doctor, oh okay yeah. that that was it yeah oh yeah but yeah some creepy ass diagnosis was had like this woman was like pregnant but her pregnancy was killing her was one of the other ones and I was like I'm trying to get pregnant this year this is actually starting of a family and I was like freaked out because like I started having that show play in my brain because that's how my brain works and I'm like, fuck. Like, it was even, like, last summer I had to get chest training and, uh, I had just watched the Chicago Med episodes and, I, like, if you watch the first three seasons, everybody that goes into Chicago Med gets a chest strain. Mm. Like, every one of them gets a chest strain. And I had to get a chest strain and I'm like, fuck, I've just been watching it for a week. And of course, I don't freeze. I'm like one of these really weird people that they try and put this anesthetic in and it's supposed to freeze the area. Mine didn't freeze. So I, I felt the whole thing. Like, I felt the whole process and it was awful. So I, yeah, I am trying to like watch shows where I might not have to go through that god-awful um, result, so to speak. I don't want to say process because it's not really a process, but like, yeah. I, I, and I completely understand, like, weird shit that happens to you when you go to the bathroom and stuff. And, I mean, I, I like, my best friend got snogged on the way to the bathroom, and I kind of set it up. It was kind of my fault. <laughs> so, like, yeah, uh, 
weird shit happens to me and around me all the time. So I love hearing stories about other people going through similar. Yeah. Oh, I and I kind of look back fondly on my wrestling days because I I wouldn't have had so many funny stories if it wasn't for the blood. Oh yeah. <laughs> I gotta say, like I I found out about you through AJ Lee, and I I kind of started mentioning this before we came uh -huh. here. And AJ Lee is like she's done comic books and she's done like she's a wrestling producer now working on Wow and she's like done things for Glow and she's done all this sort of stuff and like she just mentioned you very briefly in an interview and I was like I have to check this woman out now can I find the interview again no because that's just <laughs> but I just I. It happens, like, seriously, I watch something awesome and then I go and share it with a friend and I can't find it. No, I completely understand that one, too, yes. So, like, yeah, and I heard I heard your name and I'm like, who's this? And then I started looking up and I'm like, oh my god, I love all this stuff that she's done and I got, like, the book was just amazing and I was like, I really want to buy this and my husband's like, if you buy another book, Crystal, I'm divorcing Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, uh, okay. Because, like, if anyone ever sees my flat, it is literally, like, a public library. I have every space available is literally a book, like, it's got a book shop in it. Like, I think that my baby crib will be, like, a baby crib with, like, a bookcase on either end, right? Or... Because, like, I have that many books. Stack books underneath you know? it to support instead of legs. Stack books. Thank you. Like, I think that's a good idea. My husband's like, no, because you're going to want a book underneath it. Yeah. It's like, sure. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> but, like, that's me. Like, I... I don't have one of the big social lives anymore. I don't go to wrestling shows. I don't write wrestling shows anymore. So, like, my entire life is novels and writing novels and talking to great authors about it. And so, yeah, I mean, I just, I love it when I meet somebody that's gone through similar stuff as me. And I can really connect to them. And almost, like, take the flag for, like, you know, disabled writers out and just go, hey, you know, we're people, we're fascinating, funny shit happens to us all the time. We're probably funnier than any comedian you'll ever meet because our shit's real, you know? And that, to me, is, like, what I love to do. And that's why I take part in a lot of disabled programs and things like that, and I promote them. And having you on is, like, dream come true for me. Oh, thank you so much. Well, it's, it's, it's true. I might be sad to say that, but <laughs> it's true. Like, I, I have, like, a, like almost, like... My husband calls it my dream love list. Like, I have a list of people that will go on there, like, that I just suddenly fall in love with and I want to, like, interview and have fun with. And he's like, Crystal, it's like you're going on a first date. Like, I get all these jiggly nerves and stuff, like, the night before. Uh -huh. And then I kind of, like, have that I can't sleep thing. And then I, like, talk to him about it to the point where he knows who I'm interviewing. Because I've talked so much about <laughs> going on with them. And I literally said to him, I think I'm more nervous to meet Brandy than I would be to walk in a room and shake hands with Dwayne Johnson. Oh, wow. So he's like, you've got to tell her that. <laughs> that is the best line you've come up with yet. And I'm like, well, to me, Dwayne's just a guy. Like, I don't really, I'm not, like, I'm not one of these people that gets, like, ooh, ah, over, like, the actors. No, I'm the girl that gets, like, hot and bothered by the people that matter, the writers. You know, like the writers are what makes me interesting. The writers, because, you know, they understand my pain and I understand theirs. 
and also I think we're we're really undervalued. Like I don't think Hollywood values us half as well as like they really should. So like I'm always like, go for the writers. Don't don't go for the stars. Wow, thank you. I that's like <laughs> I'm like kind of speechless because I'm like you know there's you know as a writer there's so many times that you feel like you've fallen between the cracks in the pavement and like no one knows that you're there so yeah uh thank you that's very kind of you i i must admit it would be very funny if uh you were doing room the room and i watched <laughs> oh my god it's so great i see you and he'd be standing there looking at me from the other side of the room like what the fuck did i just get up staged by this woman <laughs> you know because he honestly like I knowing his ego the way I do, he would take that personal. He would he would then make it a point to make us aware of him. Like he would go out of his way to like get us to smile at him and shower him with love. And you know I would be totally like, uh, no, I'm with Brandy right now. I'll speak to you <laughs> later. I got shit to catch up on. And uh, I think I think I would wound his little uh, his little ego, but it would be nice. You you and me would be talking about the movie with ghost stuff. It would be great. Oh dear me. So um, I have to. I actually um interviewed somebody recently, and they had their very own brand uh -huh. of coffee that was named after one of their books. And I was sitting there, and I was like, "We need to get a brand of coffee made for brandy." So I was like sitting, trying to like think of a good title for this coffee, and I was thinking, "Get crazy with brandy." <laughs> That should be like the coffee. That should be the name. Or like, it should really be I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying really. I'm trying. Yeah, I'm that, trying that to wake up. Perfect. I'm trying to write. I'm trying to work really hard. I'm really, I'm just trying. Yeah, I think that should be it. Brandy Stewell's trying. <laughs> we have to find you like a cafe that we can like stick your book in and then they'll like come up with like a special brandy <sighs> wake the fuck up and keep trying so yeah yeah oh my god I, I will have to introduce you to death by coffee because again you know I'm in Los Angeles and it's 8 10 in the morning now and I had to get up really early to do this which is not something I'm I'm not normally uh vertical at this hour and so I have already gotten up, gone to Starbucks through the drive-through, which they don't usually see me for hours later. Uh, and I've already downed my coffee, but I do have like a uh, an espresso in the refrigerator that at some point I'll probably be pouring over ice to be like, oh, hey, I'm still, I'm still, I'm awake. Yeah. So again, I apologize if I don't conjugate words or pronounce correctly or if I become um, somewhat brain dead it's just it's it's early here like, oh, trust me, you, it's you're early doing, here you're doing far better than me I spent two days doing the dyslexia test which by the way is not fun to go through they make you say the most random crap as part of your test they ask you to repeat made up mm. words most of the made-up words that she asked me to repeat, I couldn't focus on because they had the word ass. Mm. My Scottish sense of humor just, just would not let me cooperate with this woman, and I felt so bad because she was trying really hard. But it was like, 
two days of three oh, hour wow. testing. And it was like to see if um, how dyslexic I am, and like if it's number based or if it's letter based. And so the only thing I found out of um, is I have problems with working memory, which means I get bored really easily and I struggle with instructions. Oh. And I was like, well, I knew that. Like, I, I just kind of felt like you said, I kind of knew that. Like, okay. But yeah, I mean, one of the things I will say is if you are dyslexic or you have learning difficulties or you think you've got learning difficulties, for God's sake, get yourself tested. Because universities, by law, have to support you. They have to give you, they all have funding per, per student that they're supposed to use. And if you don't use that funding, the university pockets it. Okay. Right? Which I just learned. Like, I had no idea about that. Um, so I found out I'm entitled to a second screen, a office chair, and uh, a new computer. Oh, that's cool. Just because I, I had, you know, because I, I went through this test, it explains what I require, it explains that I need new software, I need a new machine that can run the software, because the software is freaking awful in that regard. It takes up so much space. And I was just like, I was totally sitting there, like, in shock, because they tell you, like, you know, this is what you're, you're entitled to, like, nearly $2,000 worth of extra support. And they don't tell the students that because the university doesn't want you to use it so they can pocket it at the end of your semester. How yeah. screwed up is that? Like, yeah, that's... So yeah, I I decided like with you on today, I'm like, yeah, definitely need to like educate people in that a little bit so they like, you know, disabled people got a bit more help, a little bit more support. The support that they should have been getting in the first place, but... Did you, do you have, did you find, like, when you were doing, like, university that you wished you'd had maybe, like, a tutor to help you more or, like, anything along those um, lines? Um, no, because I, I, um, I don't, n no, I just went through, I just went through high school and college and then got into a film school in Rockport, Maine, yeah. uh, where I studied cinematography and steady cam, and then just made my way out to Los Angeles. So yeah, my education was pretty standard, pretty easy. And uh, I am so relieved to hear that. That is actually a good thing, because I've had so many people come on here in the last sort of like, well, we've been doing this since May, and I've had so many people come on and say, hey, I think I would have been a better runner if I had, you know, gotten support, or if I had understood what I was doing wrong, or if I had understood, like, as you said, why somebody's throwing a race through that. You know, so it's lovely to hear what actually somebody... Yeah, I mean, that was just because I lacked, I lacked self-confidence, and I was uncomfortable being in front of people. But now, it's super easy just because you know I've gone through I don't know how many improv schools I've gone to classes I've graduated from here I've graduated from there and it's you know I think when I when I first started doing improv you know people were like 
they knew I was funny. They knew that I had random um, stories, like bizarre random stories. And I had a friend of mine, I used to work at, when I worked at Mad TV, uh, my friend Lauren Dombrowski, who is no longer with us, she had passed away of cancer a couple years ago. But she would, she was the one that was like, can you go start taking improv? Because I feel like if the, the, you're lacking confidence and the more confidence, you know, yeah. you can have, the better off you would be. And it was so helpful because, you know, I, like in high school, I was friends with everybody. Uh, I was odd man out. My yeah. head was shaved. I wore black. I had red lipstick. The top of my head was like, Permed and dyed red and I went to a country school in the middle of nowhere Kansas so I stood out like a sore thumb but at the same time you know I was the captain of the volleyball team I always played sports my school was small we didn't have a softball team so I went out and got on the men's baseball team and uh, because I went and got on the men's baseball team I got us a softball team the following year and to this day that softball team still exists at this small school in Kansas yeah. so it but it was you know I could function but I just didn't you know I wouldn't walk out on stage and and actually you know I never thought of theater or anything like that because it just wasn't you know I loved TV and I loved I loved movies and I loved pop culture but again I would have never have thought of theater at the school that I went to but then as I got older and you know I you know I worked on comedy shows and I I was in the room with this person in the room with this comedian but it wasn't until Lauren said you need confidence go take an improv class and it will kick your ass and it did it and it destroyed me like repeatedly but the more you get knocked down, yep. you know, there's a motto in the book. It's like you get knocked down seven times, you gotta get back up eight. And so by doing that, I could, uh, it doesn't bother me to talk in front of, you know, I have performed in front of 300 people in one night and then three the next. And <laughs> you, hit, you can hit it out of the park one night and then you can train wreck the following. And yeah, and so you kind of, you know, you know what that feels like, that euphoria of laughter and everybody, you know, especially like in storytelling, people kind of go on that journey with you and you don't ever want to self-deprecate because it's that's so easy to do. And if you do self-deprecate, then you're kind of letting everybody around you know that it's okay to punch down on me. And you're like, it's not, you can't punch down on me. You can laugh with me. And you can go on the journey with me, but I can't, you just, you have to tell things yeah. in a way, you have to spin them in a way to where, you know, hey, you know, you can tell a story of um, working at a music store and helping, you know, a woman and have her like ask for all these classical CDs and you spend all this time helping her and you're very polite and kind and then she takes a weird swipe at you for the way that you look and then 
you come up with something to throw back at her, it shuts her down and she panics and hands you a $5 bill and walks out. And the thing is, you can tell that story and make it like, oh, I'm a victim, oh, woe's me. Or you tell, you can tell that same story and it's just the way you tell it and you spin it that you, it's like, it's hilarious. Like, yeah, that happened and it was shitty, but it's hilarious now and, you know, and, that story is like in my book where you know my head is shaved the bottom of it shaved and it's like skater cut kind of like curly and bright red and you know on one side just above the ears and then it goes around the front and it's hanging down in front of your face you know kind of emo goth kid and helping this woman and you know we always hated classical because the classical section was so out of order and it was it was just impossible to keep you know alphabetized and so it spent like 20 minutes and this woman just randomly was like again I'm in Kansas and she's just like you've been so helpful um but honey I gotta ask you a question I'm like yeah sure go ahead what's up and she's like why on God's green earth would you have such a stupid haircut and you know I have to kind of stop in the book and be yeah. like my entire life my sister would like my older sister Crystal K-O-Y-S-T-A-L different than yours we've already discussed that <laughs> but she would always yep. was like my built-in bully and would always say mean horrible things to me and I would come back like 20 minutes later with a comeback and my sister would shut me down like really that's the best you got it's just spent 20 minutes and that's the best you got. And you're like, uh, uh, you know, kind of thing. But in this particular sense, I was just like, you know, I just blurted out, oh, I had a brain tumor and I was just trying to make light of a bad situation. Now that is not true, but this woman, <laughs> I've just lied to her, but she was also just mean to me. So she, she, sur she volleys yeah. the ball over the net to say this mean thing to me. So I lob it back to her. And the look on her face was just like all of the color just drained out of this woman's face. And she just stood there frozen and starts digging through her purse frantically and just like, you know, she knows she's fucked up. She just did something really shitty and mean to somebody that was lower status than her that had been helping her and was so kind to her and was just doing her job. And she just panicked and like pulls out her wallet and like, hands me a $5 bill and closes her wallet, puts it back in her purse and like frantically with her little butt cheeks clenched runs out of the store as fast as she can. And I'm just standing there like, what just happened? Um, and then I start laughing because I'm like, ah, yeah, I'm $5 richer. Oh, but man, I have to put all these CDs away. <laughs> so, so again, it's yeah. all perspective and it's the way you tell it. And so, um, yeah, I just it's it's funny when you were telling me that story. Um, I don't know if you know this person, um, but he is he is a huge inspiration to me, and uh, I I love his story. And if you ever get to hear it, um, I wish I could have him on the the podcast because his story is so amazing. But you remind me a lot of Darby Allen, who's this young guy who nobody understands because he has literally his skeleton tattooed on his skin, right? And he does. He has the shaved hair like you. He doesn't fit in. Everyone judges him. Everyone looks at him funny. And he has not been very successful in love and he's not been very successful with that kind of 
you know, the I always say matters is the heart. And it's so weird because I can almost picture you and him just being like the perfect <laughs> best friends. They're almost like the perfect friendship kind of situation. And it's weird because I think like the more that I kind of, I come out of like wrestling and you know, like, I'm sorry to say this, but if you aren't positive in wrestling, if you're not confident in wrestling and you can't stand in front of a wrestler that could probably break my neck and every bone in my body within like 30 seconds, you get eaten alive because the fans are so ruthless and they're so, you know, they will, they will literally beat you down because you, you know, you're not giving them what they need or giving them what they want. So it's weird because, like, to me, I just sort of picture you and Darby hanging out, having coffee and talking about, you know, pop culture and all the things that he kind of adores and you adore. And I just, I don't know, I just see you as best friends. I don't know why. But I, I just had to say that because I'm like, I have to introduce oh, Brandon cool. to Darby. Oh, what a <laughs> team they would make. Um, and if you look him up, he, despite, like, you know, um, appearances because he doesn't look like an average guy at all right does not look like a wrestler doesn't look like a skater boy he just has this weird kind of aura around him and i don't know like i could just see you two being the best of friends um which i think is kind of cool kind of awesome but it, like i loved when you were talking about sort of like open mic and comedy and stuff because to me i didn't have that opportunity that wasn't available to me. Here I am as this girl who is being bullied and beaten down and, and really put through her paces in school and in through her life living in this very, very small town, but who always was like addicted to wrestling, wanted to be blogger than life, you know, wanted to be this, you, there is like a crystal normal who has her volume toned right down. And then there's the crystal that gets to come out when she doesn't have family and she doesn't have responsibilities and she doesn't have all those pressures of life that when she turns the volume up, everybody knows when I walk into a room, everybody knows that I'm going to have, you know, things that will shut people down. I literally had somebody tell me once, oh my God, you know, we could stick you in a room with the best talkers in the world, like The Rock and John Cena and CM Punk. And you would have them all looking like little girls because you just have this spitfire mentality of I don't care what you're going to say, I don't care if you're going to pick on me because guess what, I'm just that bit better than you and I can talk that little bit better. That little fire in me is just is what keeps me going. And I never had that confidence at all. In high school I was legendary because I was a dancer and I was so skinny and everyone knew me. But I never had, like, that over-the-top confidence, even in drama school. Like, I was in drama clubs, and I set up dance programs to keep girls out of trouble, and I had all these things I did, but I was never confident until I went to wrestling. And I stood across from a wrestler, and I had this, you know, he's picking on me in a very public way. He's like, oh, you're just a girl, you know, da da And then it was like this just something clicked in my head where all this confidence, all this fire, all these years of watching wrestling just kind of came to me. And I I made this guy back down. I am five foot one who could probably get blown over by a strong wind. But if you had stood, seen me standing there in front of this guy who was built like a shit brick house, he was a little bit smaller than me, but built like a shit brick house with a bottle in his hand and I'm standing across from him going, I fucking dare you. 
I was that fearless girl, and I, I kind of almost miss wrestling for that because it really does force that personality out of you, forces that strength out of you. Um, so yeah, like I, I so connect with what you're saying in your story because I had to go a different route. I had to go maybe a bit of a harder route, but I found it, and I, I, I think everybody needs to learn that, learn self confidence, learn that. You know, you are who you are, and being an individual and being the person that you are is the most important and, thing in the world. Because that, you know, and in the book, you know, I mean, I do try and keep it light. I, but there are a few stories that yeah. are devastating. They're absolutely devastating. And trust me, I have stories that I could never tell. I could never tell them because. Yep. it's they're too fucking sad and I just couldn't you know that's that's yep. not who I want to be so we don't talk about those but there were there are a few stories in the book that I can't spin to make light of and you know I mean as a female writer again I, I'm thankful for the whole me too movement because you know I mean there were there I had worked on one animated show and I was next in line for a script, but I was told to my face the first, the second, and the fourth time I wouldn't get a script because I had a vagina. The third time was because I was a woman and that was like yep. to my face. And so you're like, cool, I'm like the oldest one here and I get it and I have to leave and you have to go start all yep. over again. And, you know, then. Yep then all you know me too happened and things are getting better they're getting better i mean it's not by far it's not fixed it's not fit you know and but you 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 know your shows like saturday night live that only had like two female writers out of like 20 that were men you know the other 18 were men you know now it's half and half you know your late night comedy shows that would have zero women writers now or half and half. So you do see that things are getting better and that they do get better. But again, you know, I, you know, it's, again, it's, it's perspective. And again, it's just, you know, you get knocked down seven, you get back up. And I mean, there's even a story in the book about, you know, I know what I look like. I know what my body looks like. And yet here I am being invited to the Playboy Mansion. And, you know, do I belong here? Fuck no, I don't belong here. But am I curious? Do I want to be a fly on the wall? Hell yeah, I do. Um, because I can sit here and watch people for hours and just be like, oh my God. Um, and to help solidify this, I'm like, I'm wearing my scoliosis back brace. And so every time I would go, that I would get invited to the Playboy Mansion, nobody was there to look at me. And they didn't even see me. And trust me, some of the men you didn't want, you like, just don't, I thank you for not noticing me. Um, and But you had, you know, the girls that were the waitresses were like butt naked, but yet they had body paint on. And it was just like, and I don't look like that. And so I'm just like, you know, inviting me and my improv friends. And we would just be sitting there like snickering. And then of course, you know, I, there was one time I was there and some of my coworkers from Family Guy were there. And you're just like, like I have a wig on and sunglasses and they would still walk up like, hey, Brandy. I'm like, oh, damn it. But you know, <laughs> again, yeah because I did not look like I belong there, but it was, you know, 
I strategically would wear my back brace because it made me laugh because I was just because it was yeah I didn't belong there I shouldn't be there and I think it's funny and at the end of the day my bat my posture is going to be better than everyone here so it's it's the long game it's (laughs) it's the tortoise game um and I you know it would it just you know it would make me laugh so you know you just gotta um you know just so many so many things of you know having a broken foot and just trying to get to a subway and getting you know just to get a sandwich and being caught in the door and just having like men and women just sit there eating making eye contact with you while you're caught in a door with crutches and um like to where you have to like go down to the ground and like physically like and still people are watching you like they're watching a movie and no even the employees continue to make sandwiches while you're caught in the door and again it's just like i can i can make this like what oh woes me or like like you guys are assholes and now I'm gonna you know and I can use this story and you know and then we tell it um or you know being at film school and hanging out with guys that you had crushes on and accidentally accidentally well no that wasn't that but just trusting the wrong people and the next thing they're like hey you want to come with us on you know we have this boat and you're like okay and you know me and my friend coming you know because we had crushes on these guys we didn't see past anything not realizing yeah. that now we were accomplices with them accidentally stealing a boat like what wait <laughs> you're like out in the harbor when you find out that this is not their boat and now i've i'm an accomplice for stealing a boat i'm like oh my god my career my life will be over if uh you know yeah, I, I can't say anything because I would probably be the person stealing. The <laughs> but it's like, whoops. Yeah, I'm like, how am I going to explain this to my mom in Kansas that I'm like in a, a main jail uh, because I stole a boat? But I didn't. It was just because I was being silly and had a crush with a guy. And, you know, he was like the governor. I won't say what state, but he was the son of a governor. Uh, from a state on the East Coast. And so I assumed it was his boat, but it wasn't. And then of course, the next thing you have to do is help sneak it back into the harbor. And, you know, I have on swing pants and sandals and, you know, the rocks are slippery, there's barnacles and I'm the driest, but I'm the bloodiest. And I have to walk back into a bar to retrieve keys. And I'm scared because I just, stole a boat and my career I could get suspended from school and uh we get everything taken care of get back to my room and then because this is my luck this is the kind of guys that I like uh the guy Mark comes knocking on my door now at two something in the morning and he's wearing um I guess you would call it like a do-rag like a a handkerchief around his the top of his head it's black he has on a black turtleneck and black shorts and black uh, sea socks, which are the little slip-on booties. And he has black shoe polish under his eyes and he's holding a knife and he goes, you have to help me get the boat back. And I'm like, what? (laughs) And I'm like, 
what you're like this is like my attraction to this guy is gone like what a dumbass and i'm like okay so i get back in his car with him sneak back into the harbor town and i watch this dumbass with a knife he puts a knife in his mouth there is no reason for the knife it was just show it was like i'm a navy seal no you're a dumb film school student um and it was just like me sitting here (laughs) watching this guy swim across the harbor with a knife. There's no reason, of course, the entire time he, he's trying to be like a Navy SEAL. I'm like, there's no reason for the knife. What are you gonna, what are you gonna stab? A SEAL? They don't care about, what the hell are you doing? Um, and then I watch him swim the boat back, tie it back up into the slip, and then come back and it's like, you know, there's curfews and stuff, so you have to take the back roads. To get back to my room and it you know so he ends up like almost like he wants to come in and you're like yeah have a uh now it's like 4 30 in the morning and i have to be on set in like two, you know a few hours and it's like all right have a good one and you're like okay the crush that crush is gone now i can focus on film school because yeah thanks for ruining my crush dumbass um but yeah so it's just little things things like that you know and you again tragic when they happen but now you can spin it and just be like wow i made a lot of bad decisions so many bad decisions let me move forward until i make the next bad decision it's fine no i i totally get that i mean i wrote wrestling so you would not believe the crap that i have seen um and i i can hear the boys actually you know turning around saying crystal don't you dare fucking say anything um, and I, I would never advise them, not, not, not me, but yeah, I, I know exactly what that feels like because I've had those situations where, you know, before I was with Ian, I was very much kind of into the guys and into the wrestling, but I also didn't want to be one of the, you know, I hate using this terminology, but I didn't want to be a ring rat, which is somebody that sleeps with the wrestlers because they're wrestlers, right? Um, so I never ended up dating any of them simply because I never wanted to be that, but I saw what happened with, with, you know, with other girls. And I remember being the first person some of the boys would call to get rid of one night stands that wouldn't leave the room. So I would have to come in and pretend to be the disgruntled girlfriend to get people out of their room. And that was considered a rite of passage as a writer. And what scares me, like, I mean, I'm a part of the one in four writers coalition program, which is to help disabled writers actually get more places in writers rooms and actually help us get taken seriously and not be just laughed at or ignored because, you know, oh, we're disabled, so we must not be able to do our jobs. Um, You know, and I do these programs and I speak up for things like this because I'm tired and sick and tired of seeing really good writers not get their shots like I would love to see more of Brandy succeeding because I think Brandy's fucking awesome and I think she's got some really good shit to tell us um you know and it's it's not just that I look on it as I know friends that are incredible writers and they don't get shots because they're women or they're because they're trying to be in a male dominated industry um and we you know the the me too movement if you guys are part of the me too movement i also suggest you take a very close look at the wwe right now and um, take a look at the fact that vince mcmahon paid a gr- you know an affair off three million dollars 
does that not say anything? Like, you know, it's still going on. We, we still need to be aware. We still need to support each other as females and make sure that we're not getting taken the let up. Um, and I, I believe in that, and I believe in that. And I also want people to take a look at, well, how many females is actually writing wrestling right now? I can tell you it's not as many as you think. There's so few female writers now um, in wrestling. And I, I myself had a similar experience to you, Randy. I got told that because I had a vagina yeah. that I couldn't write wrestling. I had studied under this guy, uh, this legendary wrestling writer, Vince Russo, and I got told, hey, you're a female, sorry, you won't make it in this business, you will not be a wrestler writer, wrestling writer, and uh, it gutted me, and it did put me on the floor for a while, but I'm, I'm fighting back, and I've got this podcast, and you know, I work with writer, wrestlers back and forth on characters and things like that, so I feel like I am still helping, but it's it's very sad that, you know, somebody like me can't be taken yeah. seriously just because I'm female. So, with all that being said, is there something that you've got upcoming that is really exciting that you want to share with us? Is there something that we all need to be on the ball? Um, just, you know, for? I'm in the middle of writing the sequel. Uh, to None of This Is Going According To Plan, and we're gonna awesome. do uh, the... Uh, audible the end of August so hopefully sometime in September that will be up and going and uh, yeah the publisher is just like so when are you going to have me the sequel I'm like when I have time <laughs> I don't, it, time right now is something that's just so hard to find yep. so I, th I think we're all finding it how did you feel in the, the pandemic was your writing affected like the rest of us or did you find I knuckled down and I did it more. I had a older white male that was somewhat successful, uh, had been fired from his position, and uh, he had reached out to me uh, to be his writing partner, and I've never written with anyone before, and to me, writing, having a writing partner means 50-50. I soon found out that that was not the case. Uh, in this, it was like 95.5. So I ended up writing everything. And, you know, this person kind of, every meeting we had kind of fucked it up in one way or another. And I would be like, we can't have a meeting until you get caught up on your writing. And he couldn't get his stuff done. It was, I'd never seen anything like it before. I mean, if you were like, hey, I need, you have 14 days to write this graphic novel. I would do it in 13. I did it. And, um, you know, I, yeah. I don't really suffer from writer's block. I, and again, you know, it goes back to improv. And the thing is, you know, and a lot of people look down on improv, but the thing with that is the reason why they look down on it is because they've heard a joke about it. And, but they don't realize that it's the writer that wrote that joke used to do improv and so the, the the sad thing with that is that does kind of poison yeah. the pool but um with improv I was always taught my brain works like if this then what if this then what if this then what and my mind can work very quickly and then there's times where something can be so in front of you and you can't see it and then if that's the case and that becomes my writer's block then I get in my car and I will drive to San Diego, get a cup of coffee and turn around and drive back, or go on a long walk, or even 
sometimes just calling a friend and being like, hey, this is what my situation is. And them not even having to say anything, me just talking through it out loud. And I'm like, oh, there it is, there it is, there it is. Oh my God, I got it. And they're like, you're welcome. I didn't say anything and I'm like, but you helped me, you know, and then you can go back and do it. So during the pandemic, I actually got a ton of stuff done. I, and then of course I kicked the writing partner to the curb because this person just had an opinion, had an opinion about everything, but then couldn't get anything done. And I actually had uh, an old coworker of his was like, yeah, this person is like P.T. Barnum. He's a showman, loves to be the center of attention, but doesn't have the talent to do it and needed a right, needed to attach themselves to somebody to kind of help move things along. And I was like, yeah. And I mean, I even, again, grown ass women, allowed him to put his name on some of my stuff that I had done. And so as soon as I was like, I can't do this anymore, I got gaslit. And, and you know, I'm like, yeah, this isn't working. I don't feel like you listen to me sometimes. And he would be like, you need to calm down. Ah, so fun. And, and I would be like, well, anyway, like I was saying yep. in the same tone of voice. Uh, so took, took all of my credits back, left him with zero. Um, and then I heard the other day he got attached to somebody else and it actually, it was in the press and everything, but I was, then other editors were like, did he actually, I'm like, fuck no, there's no way he, no. Uh, I worked with this person 13 months, never wrote, he, the only thing he wrote was one children's 15 page script. It took him seven weeks to write a 15 page script. And when he handed it to me, it was word diarrhea. Uh, and so I had to do numerous grammar passes to get it cleaned up to turn in. So yeah, uh, in the 13 months we were writing together, he wrote one 15 page script, a children's script. Uh, so yeah, uh, when I found out that he, I'm like, no, he has talked this poor soul into attaching himself to that script, to that thing. So that is crazy I've yeah. been in that situation so I know how that feels um, and it, it's awful because I I did the same thing um, you know I, I worked with somebody and then you know they maybe did like a handful of Skype calls with me and fought with me over a lot of different stuff but I did 99.9% .9 of the writing um, you know so I know how that feels and I've worked with like I did a I did a beautiful children's script and uh, I was told this was going to go to Disney and it was going to sell and he had a, you know, he would walk it right in the door, it would be no problem. And then I got gaslit and it never went anywhere and I wasted six, it was six weeks of going back and forth with him before he took it in and then supposedly it got rejected. But I did hear rumors that he never made it in the door. So like, I know that feeling very well and I think that's another reason that you and me and, and a lot of the other people we should start talking and saying hey this person well but at the same time i'm also them. like but you know what i can like, sit here and be like i wasted 13 months and that's easy to say but at the other time now i know yeah. that you know if somebody ever says like hey do you want a writing partner no i don't and i can honestly say that now because i've done it and some of my other scripts that i had done that i hadn't touched in a while I went through and I polished them. I made them better. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, you know, and yeah. instead of being like, oh, woe's me, I, some of these scripts that I wrote, 
five, 10 years ago are better now than they were five or 10 years ago because it did put me in the, in a, again, yeah. this person had no opinion on any of it, but it did allow me to go during that, the pandemic and that time to be like, I haven't touched the script in a long time and it's done and I really like it. I'm going to take another pass at it. And so it allowed me to make everything, my whole arsenal of Bibles, pilots, feature treatments, outlines, one sheets. I, it allowed me to update every single thing that I had. And so at that point, I'm like, you know what? I didn't waste any time. And, you know, anytime I do a panel or something like that and somebody asks me, you know, like, what could you do to help a fellow writer? Um, you know, me having all my stuff in one place now is helpful. But one of the things I would always tell people was, you know, when I worked at Family Guy, I was around so many agents constantly. So you had the writer's agents that would come in for table reads or if, an, you know, a, a famous actor was brought in, they wanted to, you know, for a cutaway, they wanted to, um, they wanted to see the office and stuff because it was like Disneyland. It was. And, uh, you know, our record booth was there and everything. But yeah. so here I am around all of these people at my fingertips. And to this day, I've never had another opportunity like that because you never know when it's going to happen. And so as a writer, as a struggling writer, I had all of these projects and um, I don't know if you guys know what a lazy Susan is. Do you know what a lazy Susan is? So it's like a cabinet with like a little yeah, turntable on yeah, it. And so I would have all these projects yeah. and I would work a little bit on this one and then I would turn it and I'd work a little bit on this one and I would turn it and I'd go to the next one, but I wasn't, I wasn't finishing anything. I wasn't finishing anything. So now I'm surrounded by all these agents that are like, oh, you're so funny, you're hilarious. Can I see your work? And I didn't have anything done. I didn't have anything done. I didn't have anything to show them. And that was yeah. such a mistake. And I just feel like had I had just finished one thing, my life would be different now. And it did force me to, you know, as a writer, you're never done. You can always go back, you know, until they are physically shooting it then you have to stop obviously it's over um but yeah so that's what I would tell people is you have to you know finish your shit you have to finish your shit and so that way you never know who's in line in front of you at Starbucks you never know who's sitting at the the cafe table beside you and if they ever say well what do you have well we all have smartphones now so you're like what do you want do you want a comedy pilot do you want a drama? Do you want a pilot or do you want a Bible? Here's a Bible here with artwork. Here is an outline. Here's a feature treatment. Uh, do you want horror? What, what genre do you want? And you know, so you have it and you have it at your fingertips. And so that's, that's the main thing that I tell people constantly is you have to finish your stuff and nothing drives me crazier than somebody's like, Oh, I've had this idea for a long time. Your idea, fucking put it on paper like put it down even if it's an outline if it's a two-page yeah. outline or a one sheet put it down I mean people sell shit off of one sheets but you got to put it down it's just the people are like oh yeah I've been toying around with this idea and I'm like well you're not gonna sell it in your head 
put it down. And then if you ever are in an opportunity where you are in a meeting or. That, that's it's so funny you say that because I am exactly like that. I, I sat and I finished of Mormon. Yeah. So there's like a pilot and there's a pitch deck and there's like everything you could possibly want is there. It's the same with my rom-com. My rom-com is, you know, 90s Bridget Jones hilarious kind of style. Uh, you know, good old British 90s rom-com. And it's got a script, it's got a pilot, well, not a pilot, but it's got a pitch deck and it's got everything that you could need. And I've shifted to investors and I've shifted to people, but I don't have, I am no longer as connected as I would have liked to be. So like, I understand the, the adult, like, you know, having that opportunity to have all those ages around you is fantastic. And that's why I always like, if I'm starting a project, I don't say anything to anyone until yeah. I finish it. And then I'll be like, hey, I've got this, you know, like, let's go see what people want. Uh, but because a lot of my ideas are, I tend to put a lot of meat into everything I do. Like there is backstories to every character. There's a reason for everything. That I think a lot of the time I chase away people um, simply because they look at it and go, oh, well, she's got a really, really well-developed, what is there for me? And I, I do feel sad for you because there is really good co-writers cool out there. Like I know from, from my perspective, like every opportunity I've had to co-write with someone, I bust my balls 10 times harder than they do mm -hmm. because I want them to know that yeah. I'm a decent partner and that I will do everything I can. And I love working with people and I love working with people that I feel connected to. And I love working with people that I know have the similar issues that I have that I have to overcome the similar issues I need to. I just, I think it's sad when you do get a really, really, really bad partner and they don't have that and they don't give you that. And honest to god like i mean if i if somebody had come to me yesterday and said do you want to walk with god and silver i wouldn't have just at their <laughs> i would have eaten them entirely because i wouldn't have like hesitated to work with somebody like you because you're as hard working as i am you push as hard as i do and you believe in getting shit done i i've had so many people that say oh yeah we work really hard and then when you know when their ass is in the fire they don't do it um or, you know, you get people that come to you and say, I've got 50 investors and I want to do this and I want to do that. But then they don't actually have the investors and you, you kind of end up feeling that frustrated way of, oh God, there's another Hollywood liar or another New York person that doesn't have a clue what they're doing. Like, those are like the things that really get me down and really disappoint me. So if I ever actually got an agent who could like do what they say they could do, I think that I'd have a lot of shit going. Um, but yeah, the first person I would call if I got an opportunity to do, like, if Waking was going to be a feature, or if, like, you know, Immortals was going to get made, the first person I would phone would definitely be you. Um, also, because the oh, art comedy is very similar, I've noticed. Like, you find a lot of the same of the shit that I find funny, you find funny, like, you know, like, if you fall through a door while you're trying to, to make out with somebody, like, you and me would laugh yeah. at something like that, because that shit happens. That shit's funny, but like I get a lot of people that say to me, uh, I don't get the joke. Like real life is funny. You don't have to have an yeah. overly exaggerated joke for it to be funny. Like that's the best thing. And 
like that's the one thing I I can safely put my hand on my heart is when I wrote Waking, I went and I I literally grabbed as many other my friends as I could and I just like pinned them down and I went through the story with them. And I get told all the time it's got the perfect rom-com beats, right? Like that whole 90s theme. But I know with my dyslexia, I need someone to go through it and make sure it's actually, you know, not got mm-hmm. lots of mistakes in it and it makes sense, right? But then I, I'm aware of that and I go and I get help. I think it's sad that there's a lot of writers out there that don't know that. And I am going to publicly announce this on my podcast that if I ever get anything, it's got an opportunity to go that next stage and to go somewhere <laughs> I'm definitely going to be phoning Brandy and saying hey you fancy writing with me for a while this could be fun this could be some funny shit and uh yeah don't don't forget we're stepping to the elevator and have it not be there yeah <laughs> has happened to me no 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 like it's like a mm-hmm. glass elevator see when you go into the glass ones I'm scared of heights so I can't look out so I stand there like totally frozen stiff eyes like screwed shut as far as they can go and I sometimes forget to get off because I'm like desperately trying not to look so I don't freak myself out and have this like huge panic attack so like yeah I have to go and gas works like with my friends or that sounds like me in skydiving because the last time I jumped I've always done tandem and I remember like the guy like interviewing me like wait you've done this five times why are you still going tandem? I'm like, oh yeah, I forget to pull the ripcord. Like I do. And you see it in the video of the, you know, the, yeah. the guy behind me, like slapping my hand to look at the altimeter and then like hitting my waist. Like you have to pull it now, like pull it. I'm like, what? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Like, you know, I'm busy taking every, I'm busy taking yeah, in everything as the earth is getting bigger and bigger and closer and closer. And you're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I should probably pull. Okay, yeah, I'll pull the ripcord now. Yeah. Because splattering on top of someone's barn uh, in the desert in California doesn't sound like a cool way to go out. So, well, yeah, I'll pull it. No, knowing my luck, I would miss, like, the landing place. <laughs> Well, you know, the first time I skydived, we had dirt devils or the dust devils. They're like little cyclones. And we were the last ones out of the plane. And they're like, oh, yeah. So they're doing my my uh, the guy that I'm jumping with is doing like really hard, quick uh, hook turns. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to vomit. I'm going to vomit. And, you know, but we're avoiding the dust devils because if your chute goes ac- glides ac- across one of them, it will collapse and you'll die. And, you know, so I'm like, oh, so it's like we had to do a slide in land. And then it's just like, give me a second. And it's like, whoa, you know, and I'm like, OK, yeah, not the best, not the best jump ever. But my last jump, uh, somehow we ended up I had jet fuel in my hair. And I had a show and there was no, traffic was so bad getting back that I couldn't go home and shower and change. (laughs) I had to go perform on stage with like jet fuel. And as I'm running into the theater, there's a lot of guys standing outside smoking and I'm like, oh Jesus, don't get anywhere near me because I'm gonna, I'm gonna flame up. (laughs) And then all night people kept saying, do you guys smell gasoline? Someone smell petrol? I'm like, hey, what's up, it's me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the, the airplane, just as we yep. jumped, like just dumped a lot of shit like fuel and it like landed all over us. And 
you know, even though I had a yeah. jumpsuit on, it was still in my hair and then like part of my face and thank thankful for goggles. Yeah. Yeah. I would have, I would have stung like a bastard. I, 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 I definitely have that. Because when I, I used to swim in the ocean. That was also like, I used to climb cliffs without safety ropes, and I used to swim in the ocean. Scariest thing I ever had was a seal took a fancy to me. Oh. And I mean a fancy to me. So I'm swimming along, and the little bugger starts nipping my feet. I swim a bit faster. Still does it. Stop around he comes up with this big cheesy smile on his face i'm like oh my god here we go because seals in shetland are so freaking curious because we don't go in the ocean very often because guess what yeah. it's like going into the arctic it's freezing so i i stopped and i like played with him a bit to get him to go away and then he starts swimming alongside my best friend and he tries to mount my best friend like my friend that's with me thank goodness she's passed away because she would be so embarrassed to hear the story um so she's like fighting this seal i'm swimming because i'm like i'm not slowing down i'm like i'm out of here because if she, if i slow like if i slow down and she gets away from him i will be the next thing it will try and mount so i'm like swimming really really fast and she's going you bitch for leaving me and she's swimming really fast and we get to the rock and we climb up and she's just there like yeah have you ever had a, like a wet slop across your face with the back of her hand she just went like, splat <laughs> yeah I kind of deserve that but it's like weird because any, any wildlife that's not like domesticated seems to have this thing where it wants to chase me so, so I always try to be the fastest person like I'd be chased by roosters and cattle and bulls and horses and goats. Like, there is not a farm animal or a wildlife animal that hasn't tried to eat me, chase me, or just, like, kill me in some shape or form. My goodness. Yeah. And, it, oh, it, you know, if you're ever with me, my husband reckons I caused the earthquake oh, no. that happened in September of 2016 in Burbank. And he also thinks I caused the forest fire that happened like six days later as we were leaving. Uh, oh, I remember that. Uh, LA Zoo. <laughs> yeah, we literally were like, we came around the corner and we were going down into the, the freeway. And then all of we saw was just like the fire going up. Yeah. And it was. Um, like, I was so at John night. Williams at the Hollywood Bowl. And we were, you know, it's an outdoor amphitheater. Oh. And. You know, I normally yeah. like I wouldn't have shorts on, uh, but I, you know, you're like watching ash like land yeah. on your legs, and um, I had parked at the LA Zoo and had uh, taken the shuttle from the LA Zoo to uh, Hollywood Bowl, and when we were going up Coanga and then back down Barham you could just see the whole ridge on fire and it was just you know and of course me i'm always like the animals the animals <laughs> the the birds and the rabbits yeah, and the foxes and the coyotes like that's what away. you know people's homes can be rebuilt yeah. but i don't know I, I care about i care about the forest critters so animals count 
so do I, and I, I did, you know, that was something, like, every time I watched the fires in LA, because I watch your news all the time, because I miss LA, I love LA to bits, um, I would probably be the only, like, Scottish, you know, southern girl with, like, the shorts and the emo look, but with my shotguns and pickup trucks in LA if I lived there. Um, I would totally stand out, which is not maybe a good thing. But yeah, like, I loved it, and I, I said to Ian, I'm like, if we ever go back, he wants to go see the warship. That's his big thing. He wants to go see the, the battleship. And I was like, I promise that you can go see the battleship if you go back. Because, like, I had to give two days to my friends. I promised two days to my friends to go have lunch, and we, we had lunch at the Cove. Like, you know, the, the there's a little French restaurant just off the, um, the Grove. Grove it is. There we go. There's the word. And uh, we had a little French restaurant there. We went with Paul Allen Smith. And of course, he doesn't speak French. And we're in a French restaurant. <laughs> I don't speak French. And I'm in a French restaurant. And Ian didn't speak French. And I was like, oh my god, how are we going to get through this? So luckily, the girl was French-Canadian. So she could understand Ian. So I was translating Ian to Paul and... Ian was translating for us to the woman. It was like the weirdest thing. Glaswegian works yeah. for people who are from every other country but America. For some reason. So I, I was like an unpaid translator for my husband the entire time we were away. Like, totally. I had a TSA agent come and put her oh, hand wow. on my knee and ask me if he spoke English. I was like... You know that way where you try to laugh, like try not to laugh because it's such a stupid question. Um, so yeah, I. And um, hey, Chris. I hey. Funny. I, oh yeah. Um, I just I'm so, I'm yeah. gonna have but to go because like soon I I need to go because I have stuff I need to get that I have to do today. Yeah, man. Um. So did you want to ask me anything else, and then I probably need to to go in like the next like twenty minutes or so. Um, you know, the thing is, as a writer, to keep my mind fresh and creative, and I know that this is probably not a popular answer, I don't read a lot of other people's stuff because I don't, I don't want anything in my head that can cloud my imagination. So I can always be, you know, I've always... I've never ever had anybody say, oh, well, this happened in this and this happened in this. I'm like, no, because, you know, and I have, you know, like my friend Daniel Page, you know, she has her young adult stuff and I absolutely love Daniel Page. And, you know, she, she's the author of Ravens and Monarchs and stuff like that. Yeah. But as far, like, for me, there is one book that I do read often and it, and over and over and that's Blake Snyder's Save the Cat. And that's just because if I'm doing an outline or something, I need to make sure that did I hit every bullet point as I'm fleshing out an outline. But then if it's I'm writing a feature treatment, then I just, I know what story I want to tell, you know, and you have to do a condensed version of it. Um, So, you know, other than like Tina Fey, um, I wouldn't say Amy Poehler just because Amy Poehler's book, Yes, Please, I thought was kind of sad and depressing because she was under contract to write it. And she's such a funny, talented person. 
but she was under contract to write it and was in the middle of a divorce when she was writing it. So it comes across in the book. So you're like, oh, Ouch. this is sad. Um, I didn't expect I wanted something funny. Um, so I would say, you know, Sarah Silverman's like Bedwetter. Um, so just, you know, I have com I have comedians that I, you know, like oh, Steve Martin or um, uh, David Sedaris. I like David Sedaris, but sometimes he's he's a little mean spirited. So I'm like, hey, I don't know about that. Um, but I, for the most part, yes, as long as he's not being mean towards somebody else. Um, so based, so that's that's what I read. And then of course, save the cat. If I I, I go back to certain chapters just to make sure that you know. I've done it correctly. Just like if I'm writing a comedy pilot, yeah, you're the, there's three pilots that I will watch repeatedly if I'm writing a new pilot, just to make sure that, you know, you're hitting all the beats. And that would be uh, you're hitting the, the pilot to the Mary Tyler Moore show, which it is, it is, it is outdated because, you know, the storyline is she's recently you know she's married now she's divorced and how will she make it as a single woman you're like oh stop um but but there's that cheers yeah. and taxi and the thing is i always hated the show taxi and never liked the show and i know these are american shows and i don't know if you if you guys have seen them but yeah but oh no no we we do we get mm -hmm. all your stuff all the time i was gonna ask you like if you had infinite amount of time to just sit and enjoy like books and actually reading and just you know just enjoying the literacy world is there like an author the, the problem with that is i don't have time i don't and you know it's one of those things where it's I like know. okay it's well i'll listen to the question. audible but <laughs> it's like if i'm if i'm listening i don't if I'm out walking, then I'm calling somebody that I haven't talked to in a while. Or if I'm driving from one place yeah. to another, then I will listen yeah. to like, wait, wait, don't tell me, or uh, Pod Save America, uh, which is depressing. Um, or, you know, a game show, you know, what is it, pop culture happy hour kind of thing, because, you know, I've always felt like you know, I'm good at bar trivia, so if anyone needs a teammate for trivia, I'm your person. Um, and then... I do, I do. And some days are better than others. You know, I, some I days I'm still pandemic and I <laughs> don't know how to tie my shoelaces. But then the very next day, you know, last night I'm watching Jeopardy and nobody knew the answer. I'm like, it's Paola! Paola's the answer! <laughs> You're like, nailed it! Yeah, you know, so... So yeah. And you're screaming at the TV. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So was there a writer that would you say it particularly inspired you to like write and got you excited? Or um, I would say probably Tina Fey. Like, uh, I was at a taping of Saturday Night Live like a lifetime ago. And she, you know, this is when she was still on and she was the head writer. Yeah. And a friend of mine was a writer on Saturday Night Live and yeah. he knew how much I loved the band U2 and they were performing they were the musical guest and so during camera blocking we were up in the green room my friend Doug and I and uh, you know so I'm sitting here next to Tina Fey in the green room at Saturday Night Live watching her and 
just to see the whole process of the, the chaos that happens. And, um, you know, you might have 20 sketches, but it's going to get cut down to like 14, literally minutes before it goes live again. And so then yeah. when the show went live, we were in the audience um, and, you know, just kind of talking to her in the green room that things are chaotic and yet she's still like, hey, how are you doing? You know, and like, wait, like <laughs> I couldn't multitask in that kind of capacity to go check and see how somebody is doing while all this is happening. Um, and then there were the after yeah. parties afterwards and uh, just chit chatting with her briefly afterwards it like it meant something to me so I have always you know watched and have cared about her career because as a woman you know it's just there's there wasn't a lot of roads that were paved for us at the time so to watch this woman who was paving the road no. uh, she was always she was my inspiration Tina Fey Um, well, you know, when I was a kid, uh, and I've told this, this story many times, but if my mom was shopping in a store, um, and we were like, my sister and I were bored and we would be with our dad and we would be sitting in the mall. My dad would be like, tell me who is this guy? So as this person would walk by, he would be like, who is this person? And I'd have to make up a name. I'd have to you know, what kind of car does he drive? What does his house look like? You know, he has a pet pigeon named Gary. Um, and, you know, and the thing is, we were always taught we couldn't be mean. You couldn't be mean-spirited. That's too easy. So the more creative we had to be, and that just like yeah. stayed with me. So even if I'm writing or if I'm doing, if, you know, if you're doing improv, oh, okay. you know, if I have a show later tonight, but I saw somebody, yeah. a woman at the mall, and I was watching her posture and, you know, the bags that she had. And again, you know, all these years later, that's yeah. kind of my head. Then I might walk out into, I might walk out on the stage thinking of this person that I saw at the Beverly Center earlier today. Um, oh, okay. That's a very different way yeah. of looking at it, I, it, it, you know, compared to what a lot of writers do. But when, are you, when you're actually writing the scripts, is it like just a free-flowing movie for you? or is it uh, like It's a movie for me because, you know, even the way my mind works, the way, you know, when you oh, okay. are telling me, when you've told me a story, I see it. I see it. I see it played out. And if I have an idea of something, it depends on my time. And that is something that I just don't seem to have that much anymore. But if it's like, oh, I've had, yeah, I have this idea, and and then it's I like, in my yeah. spare time, from wanting from one place to another, I'm like, oh yeah, I could do this, and I could do this, and again, I always have notebooks, and I have notebooks that are a fourth full, completely full, empty, um, 
that it's, it, but it's hard. I try and keep one or two on my desk at a time and that's the ones that I focus on. So if I don't have time to sit down and write something out, I jot some, I jot it down or like, you know, this person does this and this, and this scene happens. And then later it can become a puzzle. Like, Hey, there's this scene that I have in my head here. Where can I fit this in later? Um, so that, that, so that's kind of my, my process. But if I have to sit down and write something, then again, it goes back to the improv of if then, if this, then what, and if this character has this, then what kind of, what kind of world does this fit into and what is their personality and every single creature is going to be different and every single person has a different personality. Um, so yeah, of course. Has there been a character that you would say has stuck with you like the most, like you just haven't quite ever shaped them, they've always just sort of been there as like your kind of well, I would say Sasquatch Detective because Sasquatch Detective was born on an improv stage. And, you know, she was, somebody had established that there was a scene in the woods. And I had been trying to do a Zoe Deschanel voice. And so anytime I would do like my Zoe Deschanel impression, um, so like I, that was just something I would do in my car. Um, but here we are in the middle of a show, somebody's established the woods and I stepped out and introduced myself as a Yeti that I had named Tanya, um, that I had named after Tanya Harding, the ice figure skater. Cause somebody and I were, right. we were talking about Tanya Harding just <laughs> earlier that day. Yeah, and so that was like in my head, and you know, I always like, liked her because she was the underdog. Yeah. She wasn't, she wasn't pretty. She didn't come from money, um, you know, and she didn't have the opportunities yeah. that the she had all these other obstacles that all these other skaters didn't have. And so I always liked her and was rooting for her. And so anyway, I walked out on stage and introduced myself as a yeti named Tanya, and that. It, all of a sudden the scene became, you know, that I had a podcast and that I needed, I needed guests. So I was, I was there to kidnap them, to bring them from their campsite to my tree, to my tree has to be my, you know, and so that just stayed, you know, people afterwards were like, oh my God, that was amazing. That was so funny. And I ended up giving her my Zoe Deschanel voice. And so then uh, I was at Second City, oh, and I had just okay. auditioned to get into the grad program, got in, and it was, we had, yeah. you know, our, our show, and, you know, at, there were eight of us, four women, four guys, and our director, Ron West, was like, um, I need every single person to write a sketch that has all four women in it. And you can add a guy, all the guys, whatever, but it has to have all four women. And I was on my way to WonderCon. I was driving to WonderCon. I'm off the 110 freeway over by Dodger Stadium. And there is a sign that says Police Academy Road. And in my head, because I was like, the only time I was going to have is like thinking driving in my car. And all of a sudden it hit me. The 70s show, Charlie's Angels, 
was um, the beginning was once upon a time, three little girls went to the police academy. And I'm looking at this sign. I'm like, oh my God, that's it. I am going to write a Charlie's Angel sketch with the three other women and add a Yeti. Um, and so it ended up over time evolving. Oh, and it went from Yeti detective to Sasquatch detective. And the name Tanya had always stayed, but the sketch and, it, and the sketch that I wrote ended up yeah. anchoring the show. And after our show, people were like, there was, it ended on such a high energy note. People were like, what the hell? That was amazing. And everyone was so excited. And, um, you know, again, it, you would come out, uh, one person was, one of the women was being interviewed she was the she was the brains the other one was the bronze and you know she was like going over all of her black belt material yep. the other one yep. uh, my friend amanda would come out and talk about how you know she had watched criminal procedure dramas her whole life and her friends had always told her she'd make a pretty convincing prostitute and uh so yep. they're like you're the beauty <laughs> and then so for the fourth person that was being interviewed to get into the police academy, yeah. I would climb over this pony wall and introduce myself as Tanya, as a Sasquatch from the Appalachian Mountains. And one of the women would be like, no, oh, you can't, that. we can't, you know, this is for humans. And it became this whole thing about diversity. <laughs> and, you know, I would walk across the stage, you get the big, Bigfoot stride kind of thing. And then uh, it started like the the music to Hawaii Five-O would start, Nick would start singing this song about Sasquatch Detective. And then it, the lights would come up and down and we would do like little vignettes of like, you know, one person, like Amanda driving the cop car and I have the window down and I'm like a dog trying to catch air. And then the next scene we have coffee and a guy comes out and shoots and kills Amanda. And then now, and it becomes me having to track down, but it's all done in silence because it's lights up, lights down. And then you would see, you know, me and another one of the female cops yeah. catching the bad guy in the interrogation room, him being let out. And then it would like end with this Charlie's Angels pose of all three women. And then Tanya would break through at the end. And again, it's all set to Hawaii Five-O in this crazy song about Sasquatch detective and belonging. And, you know, so they're doing the Charlie's Angels freeze frame and I would break through. And then we all like did a weird freeze frame at the end, like fake laughing. And then that was the light. And then the audience would be like, what the hell, <laughs> you know? And so, wow. so from doing that, you had that is um, some of the editors from DC Comics had come to see it. And eventually the publisher came to see it. And then I was asked to, you know, I was flushing her out as a uh, animated character. And I was asked to flush her out as a comic book. And that's when she went into the back of Mark Russell's exit stage left, the Snagglepuss Chronicles. Oh, absolutely. And I have had different opportunities to pitch her as, you know, cart Cartoon Network as 
you know, more adult style. And then I have also written her as, you know, grade school level, you know, but like leaving Easter eggs for adults. And um, then uh, at one point she was in play to go through DC Comics for like the DC Daily that would go into HBO Max. But when AT&T bought Warner Brothers, they came in, they did massive layoffs. They did three massive layoffs. And that part of DC Daily and the whole, com- that where she was going as an animated, like five minute story thing uh, got cut, it got killed. Um, but I own the IP for it. So um, I do, you know, um, I own 100% of the IP. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, at least that's not lost. Like, at least you've managed to protect it, which is a, a, a really good thing because, you know. Have you found any techniques that you would say were most helpful? Um, other ones that you wish again, you I'm going to, you know, I. it is a tough question, but, and I apologize tough for question. beating this over the head, but that is improv Uh, again i'm so thankful for it because again it i don't i don't struggle like a lot of people i know because i am if this then what um so it's you know the only thing that i've ever really tried that didn't work was having the writing partner that i had (laughs) it went went very south yeah, there, yeah. <laughs> that's because you haven't had me, okay, girl? You didn't get me. That's, okay. that's the difference. You get me, you'd be making gold. I promise you. <laughs> that's just me, you know, being me, I suppose. Um, going into your life, what would you say is the first thing that you do when you um, want to de-stress from your writing? Coffee. Um, that tends... Sometimes I'm just like, it's even during the pandemic, you know, when you weren't supposed to go anywhere, there is a Starbucks, it's two blocks from me with a drive-through and you could go through contactless, like have them scan your phone. I have my mask on and for the 90 seconds it would take me to drive home and sip my coffee was like, I got this, you know, I mean, or this is giving me a reason to continue and uh, that and my cats. <laughs> I'm so thankful for my cats. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I agree. Furry babies all the way. All the way. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. What hobbies do you enjoy? And uh, everyone keeps telling me to take up pickleball. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've only Don't played once, and I was good. That's uh, such a bad idea. You know, but I was, you know. Uh, let's see. Um, Were you not in pain afterwards? Like, did you not? Well, have, like, you know that I've I've come from an athletic like family, so luckily, you know, I have that gene, um, and I'm thankful for that. Wow. Um, I remember there was a time I would play softball 
like on every Sunday, like 9 a.m. until 6 p.m. Like you were just there. Uh, and there were several of us. We were like softball whores. You just you just played and you're like, oh, I have to go get food. And people will be like, oh, we're short a player. Can you please? And I'm like, oh, okay. And you just keep playing. Um, but I think as far as like hobbies go, I mean, like, oh, I yeah. you know, I've been trying to go, I've been going to the moth a lot. But I am not, you know, like the last, the last time I went, there was like 150 yeah. people there, but 36 names in the hat and only 10 names get pulled. Um, and I don't have the luck to get pulled. And I think the time before that, it was like 200 people and 40 names. And you're like, I'm all ready to run up on stage and tell a story, but then your name doesn't get pulled. Um, yeah. so I think, you know, like my hobbies right now is just now that we're coming back out of the pandemic, yeah, um, a lot of the improv theaters that were here in LA are no longer, but different comedy places are starting to pop back up. Yeah. And some of my friends, a lot of my friends yeah. called it during the pandemic and like moved away uh, and moved home. And they're like, oh, I'm giving up comedy and now I'm gonna be a real estate agent in New Jersey. Um, so there's fewer and fewer of us, but you know, I, so I, I say like my hobby is, um, you know, I was at the Groundlings Monday night, Friday, I was at El Cid for on Cabaret. The, the Tuesday before that I was at the Moth. So I guess those are my hobbies right now is just going to comedy shows, supporting my friends. You know, my mom was like my mom when we were kids would make shadow boxes and she had she had a, uh, a booth at like not not like an antique store, but like at a flea market kind of thing. That was like her side hustle. And so she's my mom is crafty. I feel like I have great visions, but I don't ha I don't have the skill set to execute. <laughs> yeah. It takes it takes a lot of patience and practice and time. I I know because um, my family yeah. are professionals in that area, and I always felt like I let them down because I wasn't talented. Um, so I have to ask this: I have a long-term illness myself called idiopathic rheumatoid arthritis, and it makes me slow down and appreciate the day. What makes you sort of settle down, smell um, roses, and remind yourself why you're doing all this? My cat. My cats, I'm sure there's men out there rolling their eyes right now. Um, but you know, I have, I, I don't think I would be here. I wouldn't have survived I would, if I, if I didn't have my cats and you know, I have writer producer, Liz Lemon. I have Count Laszlo Cravensworth, AKA Jackie yeah. Daytona. And I have socialite Mora Rose and Mora doesn't have eyes. Um, and she, yeah. she is such a, an awesome kitty and you know she doesn't have eyes but we play crinkle ball every night it, I make sure no matter how tired I am you know at least 10 minutes she's the most amazing goalie she can stop and block anything because you just have the crinkle ball and she you throw it towards her she blocks it and stops it and goes chases it down so yeah I would say my cats Wow, that is incredible, by the way. You know, because 
you wouldn't think that a cat would yeah. adapt as well to something like that, and it <laughs> is always lovely to hear that they do. Every My cats refuse to play, so I don't every night when I go to take a uh, take a shower, I have to like make sure so. she doesn't have toys in there because she takes toys into the bathtub because she can control the roll and everything where they go. So it'd be nothing to be sitting at my desk and look up and she has a shoestring that she's just heading towards the bathroom and then you'd look look in the bathroom, she's jumped up over the bathtub and she's in there with the shoestring playing with it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I love that. So our last but um, not least question for the day is, where's your favorite place to curl up in the day? Do you have a, like, a reader's nook, a cafe you like to go to, or a garden that you just like to curl up in? Um, that sounds so luxurious. I don't have that luxury because um, I work, and then, um, so, and I work from home, so I'm usually at my desk. Uh, I will say that I, you know, one of the good things about working from home is, yep. you know, I'll have my TV on in the background, and right now Wimbledon is going on, so... You know, it's nice to have that. So I guess that's my luxury. But then by two o'clock in the afternoon here, it's you guys are, you know, Wimbledon is done for the day. So then I'm like, eh. Um, so you just have the Golden Girls or something playing on a loop in the background while I'm working. So, but yeah, I don't, since I'm just so busy, I don't really have the luxury of like going anywhere and relaxing. I'm like, what is that like? I, I wouldn't know. I don't have that. I don't have that. Yeah, no, it's it's a. Funnily enough, it's actually mm. dictated to us as authors that we have to go and take time out and just curl up. And yeah. So our word game, you've got to tie it. Okay. Either a book, a TV, or pop culture. So. <laughs> It's, it's a bit of fun, and I, I kind of imagine this, it was a really bizarre picnic. And, and uh, makes me think of Brandon Your Flowers, the lead singer of The Killers, who I love so much. <sighs> trees Ooh, like uh, makes me think of a, something that I just wrote that I can't talk about because I signed an NDA. Uh, but... Uh, 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 or uh, I was just oh, reading no. about... Uh, uh, like sucks. new funerals so I guess like where you can be like in like yeah you can be like the pod and then they put the tree above you so that oh, yeah, is you can be like a pod in a something tree. that I just read the other about the other day yeah. that I was like oh, hey, that's a great idea <laughs> that's cool uh yeah, peaches makes me think peaches? of Georgia uh and then that's where my and that's where my publicist, uh, Jennifer Perry, works Everyone's or, and lives, is in Georgia. She's, she's lovely. She's so fantastic. And she's awesome, from Georgia, so you're, yeah. you're Georgia Peach. She is. And can I just say, I, I've spoken to her on LinkedIn, and I adore her. And if I could ever have a yeah, like she's her, a I fantastic human being. Such great gratefulness and appreciation every day. Plums make me think of she buds. What about just because of the weird little line in them? Just buds. Every time I see a bunch of plums, I'm like, that's a bud. Bit random. And then 
I haven't had a plum you probably like, in like 15 or 20 years, but I remember even as a kid and we would eat plums all the time, but we were like, I would be like, this is a butt. Because uh, that was me being a smart kid. This is a butt! Yeah. Uh, I like cherry that, pie I is my favorite dessert. <laughs> yeah, done. Can I just like take you home and you can be my new Woo. Done. Yeah, there we go. We've got a roommate. <laughs> I actually do have a second bedroom, so it's kind of funny. Okay, the last one was supposed to say iced tea. Iced tea. Well, I. Years ago, I remember, so if you're thinking, I'm going to go with ice team, and then I was like, I want to win a gold medal in the Olympics so bad, and the only thing possible that I could possibly ever do at this point in my life would be curling. <laughs> so ice team makes me think of being on a curling team. I like that. Okay, so like... My autocorrect didn't actually just completely screw up the entire game, so I'm I'm grateful for that. But it, it has been an absolute. I mean, I can't say enough how much of a pleasure it's. You know. It's I did. Thank you so much. To have you involved in this, and I, I really hope you had fun. Um, I really hope you come back because that's the testament. Yes, of please. People actually enjoyed this when they come back. Um, so yeah, please feel free to come back and, and let your lovely team know that they are more than welcome. And I promote anything from TV to mm. comics to books, you name it. I think I've even promoted the book. Yes, one. please. I so, would love to. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, let's, let's have some fun and please feel